Suppose I had $10 million and I was going to distribute it among the congregation. And what you're being asked to do is to, is to share it with one another, to do good works for one another. And I'm going to divide it up unevenly. I'll give Sherry five bucks. <laughs> I might give uh, 10000 to uh, Mickey. Fifty thousand to Paul, and give you the opportunity to do good for one another through the gifts that I give you. Now Sherry got grumpy and said, "Why didn't I get more?" And she refuses to share her her money. That wouldn't be a good thing, would it? But she would never do that because Sherry is a very sharing person. So I just because she can take it, I, I give her a hard time. Maybe I should stop. <laughs> That's what I get. So we're revisiting the same passage that we were in Romans chapter 12 last week, looking at the subject of gifts, one body, different grace gifts. So let's read from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, and I'll have you stand for that. I appeal to, to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has granted, has assigned. For in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Father, you have gifted us Christ. You have rescued us from sin and death and given us life in him. And you've gifted us so that we can build up your body, so that we can share with one another the gifts that you've given us by grace. So cause your word to be clear and helpful to us this morning, compelling. May we live in the glory of, of the giftedness that you've entrusted to us through Christ. May your spirit give us open hearts to your word this morning. Help me, Father, to make it clear, to be faithful to your word. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. So, reviewing a little bit where we were last time, um, what Paul said in verses 1 and 2 is, to sum it up, because of God's mercies, offer your whole life to God as you are transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's what Paul says in, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12. Because of God's mercies, 
Offer your whole life to God. Present yourself to God as you are transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then Paul begins to specifically describe what a life dedicated to God and a renewed mind does, what it looks like. In offering our whole life to God, we are not our own. We are not on our own. We are united to the body of Christ. That is the church. Paul says that faith is the measure of how we should think about ourselves. This is in verse 3. In relation to the body of Christ, one reason is that faith looks to Christ for our identity and our relationship to the body. So we're not looking to ourselves primarily. We're thinking of ourselves in light of what Christ has done for us and who he is. And then Paul says that faith is the measure of how we think about ourselves. The reason he says that is because God has assigned or portioned to each of us different measures of faith. So we talked about that last week, how we've been assigned by God different measures of faith. Faith in Christ is a gift of God, so it's not something that we can congratulate ourselves for having. It's his gift to us. And we have different measures of faith by God's design. The question that might bug us is why does God give us differing measures of faith? And the reason is, kind of reading between the lines here, is that... um, because this way we, we have to practice loving interdependence, valuing the diverse ways God has shaped us and designed us to work together. And then in verses 4 and 5, uh, Paul compares the church to a human body. Just as the human body has unity and diversity, many diverse parts with different functions that work together as one body, so we have unity and diversity in Christ. Whatever the body does requires the interdependent working of all the parts together. So it is with the body of Christ. In him, believers are all one. And though we each have God-given different measures of faith and different functions, we're all united in Christ. So we talked about all that last week. And then in verse 6, Paul says, now we have different gifts. So having different grace-given gifts, let's use them. So basically what what we're doing is, practically speaking, Paul, how do we live out the reality that we are one body with many interdependent parts? How do we do that? Do we all hold hands and sing Kumbaya? Should we try that? Matt wants to do it. Give us a sample. Right up front, Paul tells us we each have received grace gifts for use in serving Christ and one another. And each of the four passages in Scripture, including this one, each of these passages that talks about the grace gifts that we have, spiritual gifts that we have, says that we each have at least one and probably more. These God-given grace gifts are his enabling of us to contribute to building up the body of Christ. So it's Christ who builds the church by his grace, but he downloads his grace into us in the form of grace gifts that are the body-building, body-sculpting, Christ-conforming energy that is released as we use them in serving one another. In Ephesians 4.13, Paul gives us uh, the reason or the goal of serving one another through our gifts. He says we use our gifts in serving one another until we all attain to the unity of faith. So it's for attaining unity of unity of faith 
knowledge of the Son of God. So we're all coming to know Jesus more and more for His glory as the Son of God. To mature manhood, so we're growing in maturity into who Christ is for us and who He's shaping us to be. And to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So throughout the world, the fullness of Christ is being seen through the body of Christ being grown and becoming more and more healthy and more like Him. And then he says in verses 15 and 16, further how we do that, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So we're growing up into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. So the body is held together by different parts. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So with each part working properly according to its gifting, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we use gifts to build ourselves up in love and into the likeness of Christ. This is why we say the church is not merely a human organization. I mean, you're, you're human beings, but we're not merely a human organization. It's being built by God's grace as Christ's body in the world. And we live that out by serving one another in the gifts of his grace. Peter says it this way, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So Sherry needs to use her $5. Mickey needs to use us 10000 to serve you. Otherwise, you're missing out on what God wants to do. And we do this as good stewards of God's varied grace. So God's grace is not doesn't look the same in all of us. It's varied, and and we're stewards of we're managers of it. We we are to put it we're to invest it. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, the very sayings of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So if, you, if you've got speaking gifts, you're speaking according to what God has revealed. You're not just listening to your own head roar. And we're serving by the strength that he gives so that God gets the glory in everything through Jesus. We serve using our grace gifts and reliance upon God, trusting in God. This way, people will give glory to God rather than be impressed with us. Peter sums up the gifts under two broad categories, speaking and serving. Paul mentions seven in this text, and there's a few others you can find in 1 Corinthians 12. But the gifts are not rigidly separated in precisely defined packages. They're not just like you've got slots and you've got the gift looks the same in every person and you're all doing the same things specifically, the same shape your gift takes in everybody. No, very diverse. And most of us have gift blendings. The bottom line is we're to be using the grace gifts God gave us. So if you get nothing else out of this, you're, you're to be using your gift. Use the gift that God has given you. Serving with our gifts is a major way we are to present our whole life as a living sacrifice to God. So Paul's not leaving it up to us to guess what does it look like to, to live my life as a, as a sacrifice to God. In a large way, it's using my gifts to serve the body of Christ and to reach out from the body of Christ. Because these gifts are grace gifts given by grace, who uses that word, charisma, charismatic, 
we will find our greatest joy when we are regularly exercising our gifts. That doesn't mean using grace gifts doesn't involve discipline and hard work. It often does. But you will find joy in in your labors. And those who you serve will have increased joy as they are being built up in in maturity in Christ. And the body will be built up in love and unity as Christ's grace is activated and released in the body through the use of each person's gifts. So how do you receive spiritual gifts? How do you receive grace gifts? Well, when you receive Christ, you get him. But it's interesting, it says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So it could be that if we ask God, maybe he'll give us additional gifts for needs that we face, different situations that we encounter. How do you know what your gifts are? Immerse yourself in the life of the body of Christ in sharing life and service to your church community. Respond to opportunities that are there to serve. Those areas of involvement that you find you especially enjoy and in which you are effective at encouraging others and helping them grow are areas where you are exercising your grace gift. So if, if you enjoy it and it's helpful to other people, then it's very likely your gift. And those who have grace gifts help or inspire others who don't have those same gifts to grow in those areas that they're not gifted. So if you have a serving gift, you help me or someone else who doesn't have a gift of service to be more a more faithful servant. Or if you've got the gift of teaching, you help others to grow in their capacity to grasp and understand God's Word. And then... Paul lists uh, these various gifts. And last week we talked about the gift of prophecy, and we spent quite a bit of time on that, so I'll leave it to you if you if you weren't here. Speaking of which, if you have a gift of service, use it in your serving, he says. In one sense, all the gifts are serving gifts, because no matter what your gifts are, you use them to serve the body of Christ. But here Paul is talking about doing tasks that meet physical and practical needs in the body. It's the dozens and dozens of behind-the-scenes um, things that, need, that just need to get done. So some examples can be helping widows, single moms, uh, those who are elderly and disabled with tasks they can't manage and provisions they don't have. It can be providing meals for those who didn't have enough food or who um, have emergency situations come up. It can be... Uh, Involving providing food for fellowship purposes, as it says in Acts 2, they, they received their food together with glad and generous hearts. In Paul's day, the churches met in homes, so they didn't have buildings to maintain, but there was no doubt wear and tear on the homes that needed cleanup and upkeep, so opportunity to serve there. And one thing is for sure, the church has never been without coffee. The church you can trace it historically, declines where the coffee is absent. We all need to pitch in and serve by meeting needs and doing tasks, things need to get done. But there are some who are grace gifted for those things who, that are especially fruitful in serving in hands-on practical needs. Um, more people, I think, have a gift of service because... There's more things that need to get done that, that are behind the scenes, just tasks that need to get done. So I think 
God knows what his body needs and he gifts lots of people with in their in their portfolio package of gifts. They have a serving gift. May not be the only gift they have, but they have that. So I'm going to name some names and uh, you can offer a rebuttal. And if I get it wrong, I'm sorry. But just to point out some living examples, um, Bill Lovell is a, a servant of building extraordinaire capability. He has a heart for it. He's got skills. He helps us do a lot of things in the building. So he's gifted in that way, amazingly. Roy Ware is a servant-hearted guy. He serves. If you tell him to do something, he'll do it. The youth will tell him to do crazy things, and he does it. It's like they take advantage of him. But he has the gift of being taken advantage of. <laughs> Laurel Wassel doesn't want me to mention her name because she's a great servant-hearted person. and she, she does a lot of things behind the scenes. Ray Myers is a tech, amazing servant of God. Randall Griffin, I've caught him serving in ways that are very helpful. And uh, Denise Cohn, Susan Higginson. So I've just named a few, and I need to stop because we need to talk about other gifts as well. But you get the picture. They're, they're great servant-gifted people in this body. And we're very blessed in that way. Talking about gift of teaching, the one who teaches, use your gift in teaching. And so it's very straightforward. If you've got a gift, use it. The grace gift of teaching is the ability to help people understand and apply the truth of Scripture centered on Jesus Christ. The early church came together for the apostles' teaching. We have the apostles' teaching in the New Testament, or the New Testament is the written record of the apostles' teaching, so we've got it now in writing. Um, the truth is to be entrusted to faithful people who shall be able to teach others. So we're very privileged to have Bibles. We have e-Bibles. We still have paper Bibles. Paper Bibles still work. But we, we need teachers to help us understand because not everything is easy to understand and grasp. So God gives us gifted people to teach, to lead us in understanding God's Word. There are many texts of Scripture that talk about specific content of teaching that is to be preserved and passed down. The Bible talks about the standard of teaching to which they were committed, the guard the good deposit, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So there's a content of teaching that, that we're supposed to grasp from the Scripture and pass that down. Succeeding generations. Grace-gifted teachers don't just have skills to communicate the content of Scripture. The gift involves the desire and ability to grasp the big themes of Scripture and the big storyline of Scripture so as to help the body of Christ think biblically about all matters of life. Not everyone with a teaching gift exercises that in a large group, so not everybody who's a teacher, gifted teacher, uh, gifted with teaching, stands up in front of an audience. Uh, a lot of them are leading small groups and one-on-one, one-on-two or three groups. Uh, some of them are just really good contributors. They, 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 they teach by how they contribute to Bible study settings. And I've learned a lot from people who have the, that kind of gifting that aren't necessarily standing up in, in front of a group or being the lead teacher in a group. So uh, Bonnie Weberly is a great teacher of children in our church. Uh, Jim Bredhauer is one of those who contributes amazingly well in groups. He, he teaches by the how he ans answers questions, about how he speaks about the Scripture. Frank Gamaline does a great job of teaching. He's, he's 
He's got a gift of teaching for sure. Uh, Lisa Andrzejewski does. And Lisa Andrzejewski, because of her desire for teaching children, has developed a whole ministry around that called Harvest Kids. And it's not based just on her gifting alone. Because she wants to teach kids, she, she uses it for outreach and uses it to equip the body of Christ and involve others around her that are serving in, in wonderful ways to our children and to our families. Then we have the gift of exhorting or exhortation. It also could be called the gift of encouragement. So the, the word has that range of meaning, exhorting, encouragement. Whereas the teaching gift involves explaining texts of Scripture and helping people get grounded in what the Scriptures teach, the grace gift of exhortation focuses on the practical application of the gospel and its implications for everyday life. Exhortation and teaching often go together. You might say that the first 11 chapters of Romans is teaching the content of doctrine and chapters 12 to 16 are more oriented toward exhortation. Paul says in another text that like a father with his children, he exhorted each one to walk in a manner worthy of God. So those who are exhorters are able to exhort us to walk in a manner worthy of God, giving, giving us the bottom line of this is how we're to live. So you got the gift of exhortation. You, you're able to give counsel. You're able to encourage. So one of the great encouragers just left the room because his, his body gives out on him, and his name is Jim Clapp. Jim Clapp is a great encourager. He's able to, uh, in the midst of his suffering, he's able to encourage others very, very well, very grace, gracefully. He's got the grace gift of encouragement. Um, Greg Goostreet has that as well. He's able to exhort, able to counsel. Kevin Johnson is a great encourager. Debbie Schmaltz encourages and exhorts. Tammy Britt does that as well. She does it in the way she shares about what's going on in her life. Tammy, you've encouraged me by how you've talked about how you've worked out God's, what he's teaching you in your life, and you do that, and you, you help the body of Christ to apply that to their own lives. I'm reminded of a man named Chuck Gilliland. Chuck Gilliland was a, um, an elderly gentleman from a church that we came from six years ago. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he was a, an amazing encourager. I mean, you couldn't get around him within 100 yards without being encouraged. So he was oozing it. The one who contributes, use your gift with generosity. All are to contribute financially to the ministry, mission, and mercy work of the church. That's because we all have a vested interest in supporting and advancing the work of the gospel in and through our church family. But some have a grace gift of contributing. They have a grace gift of motivation and joy in giving to the Lord's work. And Paul says, if you've got the gift, do it with generosity. And people who have the gift of, of contributing, of giving, are often very good managers of their own money because they want, to, they want to use God's money well in all areas of their lives, including how they give to churches and to mission works and mercy works as well. So I can't mention any names on that. Because I don't know what you give. And what you give, gener generosity is a matter of proportionately to what you make and what you have. So I know what we give. And uh, I'm, I'm, I know that God has given us gifted givers in the congregation. But I'm not going to put you on the spot because I don't know who you are. The one who leads, use your gift with zeal. There are those who are gifted to lead, to be in roles of giving oversight and direction. 
Those who have the gifts to lead give direction, and they mobilize and motivate people to make progress in carrying out the, the work of mercy and mission into which God is moving the body of Christ. Paul says here that the one who leads must do so with zeal or diligence. In other words, put your heart into your leading. This is necessary because it takes perseverance and hard work to give unifying organization and direction and motivation to diverse people who contribute their gifts and time to work together for common mission and goals. So uh, Cindy Lund is a, is a she's got some leadership gifts. She helps us with missions. She she led us to be get to get involved with track the Teen Reach Adventure Camp Ministry for foster kids. Paul Andrzejewski does a good job of getting bottom line decisions for our missions team. There are others who have the gift of leadership as well. Sherry and Matt have the gift. I think they do, from my humble opinion. And then the one who acts does acts of mercy use your gift with cheerfulness. Those with the grace gift of mercy are good at coming alongside those who are suffering, either due to sickness, loneliness, broken or painful relationships, death of loved one, financial hardship, or other causes of emotional pain. They have the gift of compassionate presence. So they come alongside. Those with mercy gifts are exercised with cheerfulness. I need to say that because mercy gifted people <clears throat> uh, are serving those who are suffering and they often identify strongly with them and they get caught up into their pain and misery. And so they may not be able to bring joy into the situation. So we're, we're to weep at those who weep, but we still have joy in Christ and we need to share it. So show mercy with cheerfulness. You don't put on a pretended flippant cheerfulness, but rather you pray for a genuine grace-filled joy. So Joyce Etzel has that gift, I believe, and as, as does Julietti, Peggy Levesque. Well, back to why Paul is talking about grace gifts. He's talking about grace gifts because we use them to, to build up the church, to encourage one another. Each of us is to function in the body by using our grace gifts. And it means we all need each other to function for the body to function as it should. We need each other in order to help one another offer our whole life to God in order to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Each one of us is vitally important to what God wants to do in and through the body of Christ. So this can only happen if you're involved. It doesn't happen in theory. If you have a good idea what your grace gifts are and you're using them, then sweet. If you don't know, continue to come on Sundays. Get involved with the community group. Connect with ministry opportunities and discover your giftedness and use them by the grace of God to serve the body of Christ. I think at this point, I'm going to pray and we'll uh, also receive the offering. So let's prepare our hearts for that. Father, We thank you for giving us the most gifted person in the universe, Jesus Christ, who though we were poor, we became rich in him because he gifted himself to us. He took the form of a bondservant, humbling himself to the point of death. And he was obedient to the death on the cross. And because of that substitutionary death, in purchasing our redemption, 
and being raised from the dead, getting victory over sin and death for us, and giving us his Holy Spirit, you gifted us to do the work that he is designing for us to do, which is to build your body in the world, to build, to build the church. Father, I thank you for the many gifted people who have served you faithfully here at Harvest. We're very blessed and we're very privileged. And each one of us knows we have room to grow in the use of our gifts, so help us, Father, to do that. Trust in you, faithfully serve you as good stewards, good managers of the multifaceted grace that you have invested in us through Christ. So, Father, uh, thank you for giving us the privilege of serving one another. Move through this body in, in your Holy Spirit to uh, cause us to, to grow more and more in being like Christ. And thank you, Father, for the generosity of your people financially. Bless the give, givers. May we joyfully be able to give to you, Father, what you've entrusted to us for the sake of the gospel, for building up the church, for works of mercy in, in, in the church and in the community. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.